Father, we thank you that in the midst of the brokenness of the world, the darkness of the world, and all the things that cause pain and suffering, you chose to join us in the middle by sending the perfect gift, heaven wrapped up in swaddling clothes, the only begotten son being birthed into the world through a young teenage girl. And Father, we just pray in these next few moments, you help us to become more aware of the gift of Christmas. Help us to become more aware that the Messiah has come and that the Messiah is going to return again. Father, we thank you for Christmas to celebrate family and friends and each other. But Father, above all, we thank you that this Christmas we can celebrate the reason for Christmas, that Jesus has come and Jesus will come again. Father, we bless you. We thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. And would you give it up for all of our creative team this morning? I'm not going to share too long. We got all the kids with us, and the kids hate listening to me talk. I've learned it from my own kids, so I will um, bear you the pain and suffering. Uh, but it was amazing to have the Orr sisters with us, my favorite ladies in the shoals. Get up for the Orr sisters. <laughs> then we had, you know, Saturday Night Live has the Blues Brothers. We have the Bluegrass Brothers and the Cochran Twins. Give it up for the Cochran Boys. And then Chris and Sage Little. Give it up for Chris and Sage. And then our amazing worship team with Reagan and Jason and our amazing team. Give it up for them as well. Uh, you know, this year has been a crazy, chaotic year, I know, for many, many families and um, many families here at Chapel, just with lots of um, deaths, lots of babies being born, lots of change, lots of transition. Um, but God is still a good God. And it's in the middle of these moments, these times, that God joins us in the middle. Um, some of that is with this past week or last weekend, we saw many of the hurricane or the hurricanes, the tornadoes there in Kentucky. Me and Pastor Anthony were actually traveling through Bowling Green and stopped with a pastor friend of mine in Bowling Green. He took us around and showed us a lot of the damage, a lot of the just chaos that was ensuing. Their church is literally two blocks over from right where the tornado went through. And they set up kerosene. They got, I think, a thousand kerosene heaters because it's cold right in the middle of winter there. There's no electricity still. Got kerosene heaters. And they set up kerosene tanks so families and people can get kerosene heaters. And they're also working on many of the homes that were lost included foster families. And so they are moved them into hotels. And so this church is working on getting Christmas trees in each hotel room. It has foster kids there and Christmas as well. So I just want to let you know that uh, Chapel, as a family, we sent a financial gift to that church there, Centerpoint Church in Bologna, Kentucky, to help them as much as we possibly can. And we're going to try to walk alongside of them in the next few months there as well. So thank you uh, for being just so generous. Secondly, we've had an amazing couple of weeks with Adopt-A-Kid going in Adopt-A-Block last week. We gave 90, is it 92 or 98 kids Christmas. So give yourselves a big round of applause. And then this week with Dream Center Academy, we had 21 kids uh, that we've uh, been spending time with at Dream Center mentoring and tutoring that we provided Christmas for. Many of our small groups here at the church sponsored each one of these kids. And so Toya put on her Santa Claus sweatshirt and she came Santa Claus uh, Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And we had 21 kids. So altogether, there's 120 kids we provided Christmas for as a church. So give yourselves a big round of applause. 
And a few people worked very, very hard um, on Adopt-A-Block or Adopt-A-Kid and Dream Center Academy. And so, Toy, would you please stand up? She hates this kind of thing. She has worked tirelessly becoming a little elf and wrapping gifts and finding kids and going door to door to serve these kids and get these gifts. And her and then Meredith Tate, I don't know where Meredith is, if she would stand up. If y'all just give them a big round of applause real quick. So with, with Christmas, there's all types of, of ideas and thoughts. And I want you to know this one thing is that you can get a whole lot of things right about Christmas and still not get Christmas right, which means you can get all the right gifts. You can get that, that new pair of Jordans for your teenager. You can get that Red Ryder BB gun for that little kid. You can have the best family Christmas dinner, the best Christmas parties. You can do all the stuff and work really, really hard to get everything right and still not get Christmas right. And I think in this day and age, it's so hard, so many distractions, so much busyness, it's many times easy to lose sight that Christmas is not about gifts, it's not about parties, it's not about shopping, it's not about uh, food, it's not about even family. A couple years ago, Christmas happened on a Sunday. Christmas Day was actually a Sunday morning, and many churches were choosing to not have service that Sunday, which you know, was their perspective, their decision. But for me, we decided to have Christmas. And people ask, well, why? I said, well, it's very hard to convince the world that Christmas is all about Jesus. And in the one day Christmas falls on Sunday that is about Jesus, we say we're not going to have church, that we're going to spend time with our families. What that communicates to the world is that Christmas is about family and not about Jesus. And it's getting harder and harder in this day and age of this culture to keep that the centerpiece and the focus And so I just want you to know that as you work tirelessly the next few days getting ready for Christmas, make sure you don't get everything right except for Christmas. In Luke chapter 2, it says this. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Look, if you want to define Jesus, uh, Christmas, that is the definition of Christmas. It is the fruition or the fulfillment of the greatest promise ever given to any of us, when God said in the Garden of Eden that he was going to have a plan, he was going to send forth the son, that son would stomp on the head of the serpent, and he would redeem all that was lost in the garden and return us all back into the family of God. And that promise came forth through a baby in swaddling clothes in a manger to a teenage girl. And the gifts that were brought to him were gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And many times we get caught up in the gifts, like we finished our Christmas shopping, I think, this weekend. And hopefully we're done, but you're trying to get the perfect gift. And I, I, I saw a thing Greg Laurie had posted that if you take the song 12 Days of Christmas and all those gifts, it would equal to a $15,000 gift. So whoever this guy who is completely in love with this girl who's sending her some weird gifts sends $15,000 worth of stuff. The price goes up when you add 11 pipers piping. That's $1,000 right there. The 12 drummers drumming, because of the union pay scale, that'll run you $1,000. 
The 12 lords of leaping, if you can find them, I don't know where you find lords at, they don't have lords or us anymore, but $3,000 a piece. And it's just a reminder that Christmas will be very expensive, and you can get somebody all the things they think they want for Christmas, but the greatest gift of Christmas is Jesus. He is the gift of Christmas. He's the eternal gift. He's the gift of new life, the new hope, new family. As a matter of fact, I was thinking about this last night, that in the Old Testament, they referred to God as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Over and over again, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You never hear that in the New Testament. Why? Because before then, we were outsiders to the family of God, but in the New Testament, it's my Lord, my Savior, my Messiah. Why? Because we have a new family. So no matter how disruptive this year is with your family, you get a new family in Jesus. And so with the gift, I wanted to share with you four quick things about Jesus being the gift of Christmas. One is this. The gift of Jesus was surprising then, and it's surprising now. Years ago, when, when I was young, I didn't really want much for Christmas. I wanted a BB gun. That's all I wanted was a BB gun. And my mom said no, because she watched the movie, The Christmas Story, and so you'll shoot your eye out. So I heard all those things. And we were at Christmas, and we were unwrapping gifts, and I kept going through mine, and I never saw the BB gun box. And so all the Christmas was over, and my dad kind of had this wink, and he was kind of like, hey, look right there. Behind the tree was a long, tall box with a BB gun that my mom didn't know my dad got, so then it caused tension in the family, but I got what I wanted. And it was a surprise to me. The first Christmas, it was a surprise to everybody else. There was no room for Mary, Joseph, and Jesus because it was a surprise. It was a surprise that the Messiah came through a teenage girl's womb. It was a surprise that this Messiah was wrapped up in swaddling clothes. It was a surprise. And sometimes you know what the gift is going to be. Sometimes you give your mom or your dad a list. Sometimes your kids give you a list of what to get. But sometimes the greatest gifts aren't the things that you ask for. It's a surprise. And Jesus was a surprise gift that wrapped up in swaddling clothes became everything we could ever want or ever need. Now, the problem with it is, many times in John 1, it says us that, that Jesus was rejected. He was rejected at the end. There was no room for him in the end, so they had to go to the manger. He was rejected. And so many times we think of that as like the world. They reject Jesus. They don't want Jesus. They don't like Jesus. No, none of the people in Bethlehem rejected Jesus because they hated this baby. They rejected Jesus because they were too busy for the baby. Like the town was in the middle of a registration of a census, and so there's so many people coming in to register. There's so much uh, just busyness going around in Bethlehem and the town that it wasn't like, hey, we don't want you here, we don't like you, we don't want you. No, no, they were just too busy to recognize that the gift had come. And so you make room for Jesus by slowing down your busyness and grabbing hold of the surprise that he is. Number two would be gifts must be opened to discover what's inside. There's so many times that a gift can be under a tree, but you can't really appreciate that gift or use that gift till you actually open it. And I don't know about your house, but with our kids, like they rush through, they're ripping paper, there's paper flying everywhere. They see what they have, they move that over, they go to the next box. And I think for many of us that we're so accustomed to Jesus that we just keep trying to open up and see what's next. We move on to the next thing. We, we open it up. We are amazed with Jesus' salvation. Then we kind of put that aside. Then we start seeking other things. But Jesus is the gift that once you open it, he keeps on giving. 
He keeps on giving over and over and over again. And when you unwrap this baby in swaddling clothes, when you unwrap this gift of Jesus, you'll realize that he comes with eternal hope. That when you open up your life to Jesus, you open up your life to eternal hope. Not temporary hope, not a moment of hope, not ups and downs with hope, but eternal hope. When you open up this gift of Jesus, you open up this box, you open up the wrapping paper, you open up the swaddling clothes, you open up eternal peace. Not as the world gives peace, but as he is peace. When you open up the gift of salvation, you open it up and you find deep down in the tissue paper, there's eternal joy. Not joy that's just when you're on a materialistic consumer high, but joy that sustains through the ups and downs of life that lasts all throughout eternity. When you open it up, you realize you open up to new life, new purpose, new dreams, and a new hope. But you don't know what's inside until you actually open up the gift. And I'm afraid that so many Bible Belt believers, even just American Christians, we just carry the box of Jesus around and never actually open up to discover what's inside. And you get to know what's inside by actually spending time with the gift himself to discover the beauty and the perfection that's there. And third, gifts tell us something about the giver. Like when somebody gives you a gift, it tells you how thoughtful they are. It tells you kind of their mindset. It tells you your relationship with them. And there's nothing better to show us about the giver than the gift of Jesus. That God could have gave us anything. God had a whole treasury in heaven. He could have gave us anything, but he chose to give us his only begotten son. His most prized possession, his most prized gift, his most prized relationship, he sends us his best, which demonstrates the deep love that he has for us. He doesn't just give us what we want, he gives us what we need, and that's the perfect gift is when you give somebody what they want, but it's also what they need. We want love, we want joy, we want hope, we want peace, but we need it eternally, and God gives us both. And finally, gifts aren't made to be looked at in the tree. They're there to be appreciated and used. Like, I think there's something sad, and I'm guilty of this myself, that when somebody gives you something and you're like, oh, man, I like it, and you kind of put it away, you never use it. It actually means you didn't actually like it. I got a watch that's a little too uh, fancy for me that somebody gave me, I'm not going to mention because they watch it, that they gave me. It's bright gold. I don't like bright jewelry or gold. It's bright, bright gold. And so I have it. And I put it in my little watch case, but I don't wear it. And sometimes things can be attractive to us, but we don't actually use them. When it comes to Jesus, sometimes the things of Jesus are attractive. We just don't actually apply those things to our personal lives. And I think the biggest thank you to God for the gift he gives us in Jesus is actually to apply and use the gift he's given us in salvation. To apply it to our lives and to live it out every single day of our lives. Because in some ways, we can get everything right about Christmas and still not get Christmas right. And my fear is, as they were doing the nativity scene, I, I, I think many times we think of Christmas as, let's, let's build Christmas around either our family or our traditions or the tree and all this stuff and at the end, let's hopefully put Jesus in and let him surround our family so he can sprinkle a little blessing on it. 
Or maybe we'll invite Jesus in, but maybe he's on the outside looking into our family traditions. Or maybe we'll invite Jesus in, we'll put him on the perimeter so that way he's part of it, but it's not really focused on him. But at the nativity, it's amazing how Jesus is always in the center and the family is built around Jesus. And the reason that's important is if you build life around your family and hope to add Jesus in and sprinkle Jesus in, the family you have now will not be the family you have in heaven. But if you put Jesus in the middle as the gift and you build your family around Jesus, the family you have now will be the family you have in heaven. Like our job as, as family, our job as believers is not to add Jesus to our lives, it's to build our lives around the presence and purpose of Jesus. And this Christmas, we have the chance to do so. I want to encourage you to get Christmas right. Make room for Jesus in your Christmas by realigning your traditions, realigning your time around the purpose and presence of Jesus. Make room. Don't be the storekeeper, the innkeeper that had no room for Jesus. Make room for Jesus in your heart by repenting and confessing of anything that's occupying space in your heart that only Jesus should occupy. And make room in your life for Jesus to come in and to use you just like you used Mary and Joseph and the wise men and the shepherds to use you to communicate the perfect gift to the entire world all around you. If you would, just bow your heads and close your eyes just for one quick moment. Just one quick moment. You know, you can get a lot of things right about Christmas and not get Christmas right. Christmas is the perfect time to realign your life back, centered around the presence of Jesus. Going into a new year, there'll be a lot of New Year's resolutions, but you said, you know what, I need, to, I need to make a marker in my life to set this in my life now, to reprioritize my life to reprioritize my heart back to the presence and kingdom of Jesus. So that's you. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to have you close your eyes. This is between you and God. This is just a, a, a commitment to reprioritize your life around Jesus. That's you. See, that's me. I, I need a fresh start moving forward. This Christmas, I want to be the Christmas that I make Jesus the biggest priority of my mind, my heart, my soul, my spirit, and my life. That's you. I just want you to slip your hand up real quick. Right. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? I'm going to pray, and as soon as service is over, if you would slide out to the connection point, that would gift just to tell you thank you, some resources and tools to help you kind of on that journey just to re reorganize, reprioritize your life to follow in Jesus. But Father, we thank you for the perfect gift. We thank you that gift. It's not wrapped in fancy paper or ribbons and bows. It's wrapped up in swaddling clothes. But Father, he grew out of those clothes and he went to the cross. They wrapped him in grave clothes and linen. Father, and he came out of those clothes. And Father, now we know he's seated at the right hand, interceding on our behalf. So Father, right now we plead his blood over every single hand that was raised. Father, we plead his life into every single hand that was raised. And Father, we receive the gift and we open up the gift. And Father, we apply the gift through confessing that we're sinners only saved by the amazing grace of Jesus. 
So we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name.